Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Eric Compton, a.k.a. Mr. Town Business, and we got an action-packed show here today. So much has gone down over the last time we spoke, which is last week. So without further ado, man, we got some NCAA tournament to talk about, NCAA basketball tournament, I should say, to talk about. We got a little bit of Lakers, what's going on down there in La La Land, and we also got a little bit of Oakland Raiders with their questionable free agency signings and giveaways and whatnot but uh without further ado this sports business podcast is available on all platforms that's s-p-o-r-t-z-b-i-z-n-e-s-s and before i can get into anything um you know sometimes we got to get a little serious on the show and i don't really like to be serious all the time you know i usually try to be a fun loving person and um you know i try to keep this show uh as as lighthearted as possible but uh me um, which a lot, I don't know to all the listeners out there, a lot of people don't even know that I am biracial. So I'm, I'm half African-American. My mother is uh, from Japan, from Tokyo to Japan, to be exact. Um, she moved out here before I was even born. So um, I'm black and Japanese. So I'm, I'm, I'm an Asian-American. And the the things that have taken place um, is especially the last week with the with the mass shooting, the terrorist attack on Asian Americans at the massage parlors in Atlanta last week was um, unfortunate, um, sad, and you know, as an Asian American, it, it, I, I find it to be very very um, offensive that the county sheriff of whatever county that was right outside of Atlanta can say that the shooter um, had a bad day. Um, I, I have a, a lot of bad days. I'm a veteran. I, I go through things and I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening to this podcast, they have bad days as well. Um, I don't know too many people who have bad days that go and shoot people. Um, shooting one person's bad enough, but being able to get away with shooting eight to 10 people is just not cool at all. So my heart goes out to all of the families that were affected by this, uh, terrorist attack as I am going to call it for what it is. It was a terrorist attack. Um, my heart also goes out to um, the elderly lady in San Francisco last week as well, which was right around the corner from uh, not too far from where I grew up. So I knew exactly where that took place where the Asian American lady um, was was mugged to a certain extent, but she was able to fight back and actually um, fend off the, uh, the, the, the attempted robber and put that man on a stretcher, rightfully so. Um, so, um, but not only that, um, just my heart goes out to all the Asian Americans here, um, in the nation, as well as all over the world that go through some form of adversity. Um, you know, we can't, we can't move forward in this nation without stopping these heinous attacks that go on, um, to our people of color, um, people of different types of sexual orientations and whatnot. So, um, I had to get that out the way. Um, I know people have been asking me what my take has been, and I've been kind of waiting for this moment to finally break the silence and tell say how I really feel but um though that that just wasn't it, it wasn't a good situation it wasn't a good story and I hope they throw the book at the um the terrorist that just who decided to go postal on a whole bunch of innocent people so um you know that's that's that um another another heartfelt message also goes out to the family of Elgin Baylor um the great late Elgin Baylor Hall of Fame basketball player um who ended up passing away earlier today 
Um, and he was very one of the most beloved Lakers of all time. Um, Elgin Baylor, um, who moved from Minneapolis to L.A. in 1960, he got was he was able to make eight NBA Finals appearances. He never won a title. Um, however, the year that the um, the Lakers won, I believe in the 70s, that year um, Elgin Baylor had retired right in right before the season began. So he was close, but. Um, you know, he retired early, I believe, in the 72 season. The 1972 is when the Lakers won that championship. Um, and he just he just barely missed it. Um, but Elgin Baylor, um, to the family of the great, late, great Elgin Baylor, um, our thoughts and prayers are out there. Um, a great, great basketball player. And, you know, you know, one of the unsung heroes that a lot of people seem to forget in Lakers history. Um, he's probably one of, the, one of the greatest Lakers. I know the story, the franchise has a storied, storied history with, Elgin Baylor, you got Will Chamberlain, you got uh, Jerry West, you have Shaquille O'Neal, you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you got Big James Worthy, Magic Johnson, just to name a couple of people, Kobe Bryant, uh, now LeBron James. Um, And speaking of LeBron James, I believe it was Saturday, Saturday or Sunday this past weekend, uh, LeBron James, who, you know, this dude's... He's in, he's, in, he's invincible. This dude's unstoppable. And he ended up getting a high ankle sprain and is out indefinitely. So um, we, we shall see what indefinitely means. But it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks at a, at a minimum. I would probably say that's probably a four to six week injury. And the Lakers are currently the number three seed in the Western Conference of the NBA. Um, Lakers already kind of dealing with a whole bunch of injury issues with them also missing Anthony Davis, who's about another two weeks away from his calf strain, his, his calf strain, and they don't know really when he's coming back. So the Lakers are literally playing man down, hand down right now, and they just, it's literally going to be the next man up. Um, and, you know, in a, in a, in a game, in an in a NBA Western Conference that's so deep, where literally the three the three seed is only two games away, the three seed and the Warriors are only I mean, the Warriors, the Lakers are only two and a half games ahead of the six seed, um, which means <clears throat> that this can go south really really quick. There, there's no room for um, error for the the Lakers. Um, you know they're they're two games away from sixth place and they're also probably a good five games away from eighth place and you know the way that they're they've been playing even before um the lebron james injury was very very suspect as it is so um this is a good time for i would say the the trailblazers they seem to be getting healthy a little bit the denver nuggets are finally figuring it out and also the clippers if they can actually find a bona fide starting point guard hint hint wink wink stop stop maybe to try to reach out to a kyle lowry um, with the NBA trade done, trading deadline coming up this Thursday, it might be time for them to make a move. But I'm looking at the Blazers, Nuggets, and Clippers to all make some form of a move to try to go up from that six seed all the way up to that three seed because it's the West. There's no room for error, and you know, but you got the I believe 12 teams with the play-in tournament. There's really no there's no room for error for the Lakers. So I don't know what they plan on doing. Aaron Gordon has just asked for a trade out of the Orlando Magic. I know that the Lakers did have an open roster spot. I don't know if that's something that they want to look into, but the Lakers are bleeding, and I don't know how they're going to be able to stop the the, the, the loss right now. How are they going to be able to stop the bleeding right now? Because it's not looking good with the injury. They they could they were one injury they were they were they couldn't afford an injury, and the one injury that they ended up suffering was was the biggest one which is their best player probably the best player in the league who was probably having one of the best seasons of his career again so what did the lakers do 
I'm not sure, but this can go south really, really quick to the point where, you know, dare I say they may not make the playoffs. I don't think it'll be that bad, but it can go south really, really quick. So um, we'll see what ends up happening with the Lakers. But LeBron James is out indefinitely. We don't know when Anthony Davis is coming back with the reevaluation in another two weeks or so. So, you know, you got Dennis Schroeder who who can who can step it up. You got um, it looks like the uh, Marcus Gasol experiment is coming to a close. So you're going to ask one of the Marquis, the, the Morris twins to kind of step in. Is that going to be a possibility? So I don't know. I don't know what ends up happening with the Lakers right now. They, they seem to be in somewhat of a free fall right now, and they don't know when they're going to break that fall. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but I'm definitely interested to see what the Nuggets are able to do coming off of the All-Star break, if they can kind of pick it up. They've gone 8-2 and two in their last 10 games as well. Portland Trailblazers are right there as well. Um, you know, Damian Lillard's probably, you know, everyone wants to say Devin Booker is the most um, disrespected player in the league. I think it's Damian Lillard personally. I don't know if it's because he's from Oakland, my hometown, or it's just because this dude's probably the most feared person in crunch time. This man is, he's literally, he's got ice in his veins. Um, if there's anybody I want to take a game-winning shot right now, it's definitely Dame Dollar. Because the man just produces and he's he's literally you got to pick him up literally from half court. And when you got a player that can pull up from half court and has shoot such a high percentage from beyond 30 some odd feet, you know, the that stretches the the the, the court out so much and gives gives the nuggets. So I'm sorry, the blaze just so many different options. Um, you got CJ McCollum coming back. Um, you should have Yurkic coming back not too pretty soon as well. So, you know, it, we'll see. I'm very, very interested to see what the Blazers are going to do. I think Damian Lillard has proven himself. He's actually been to the playoffs, actually even been to a Western Conference Finals as well. So, you know, a lot of people always want to say Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league. Now, it's, it's, it's Dame Lillard. It's Dame Dollar. And I, I'm glad that he's starting to finally get his due. But this is a move. This is this is probably the time for them to kind of be able to push push forward and kind of capitalize with the Lakers and being so so hampered by injuries right now so um, I look for the look forward to the Blazers Nuggets and even the Clippers to try to make make a make a mad dash for that top three that top three seeded team um, going from there um, you know I'm not even too sure if the Jazz will be up there I know that they got the best record in NBA right now with them going five and five the last 10 games um, I just I, like I said I never was really sold on the Jazz as it is but we'll see what ends up happening with them but you know, look out for the Clippers, Nuggets, and the Blazers kind of start making a move because I can see that happening really, really, really quick. So with that being said, I mean, also this weekend we had um, March Madness. We, we had March Madness. And like I said, like I said on last week's show, I really don't watch a lot of college basketball just due to the fact that this year I just felt like college basketball. I don't I wouldn't say it was a wash season, but I just couldn't tell who was good. But one thing I do know with all of these different upsets that just took place with what I believe four teams seated below 13 have made it to the Sweet 16. I mean, uh, I, I said that I didn't think Gonzaga was going to be able to run the table, but I think they they may be able to run the table with with them, with, with Virginia, who I've never thought was a good program. I know they were the last team to win the NCAA tournament in 2019, but I believe in 2018, they were the first ever one-seeded team to lose to a 16-seeded team. And they didn't lose by like a bucket. They lost by 20-some-odd points that game. Then they turn around, they're a four-seeded team, and they lose to a 13-seeded Ohio team. 
I mean, they they may be able to run they may be to run some tricks out there in the ACC, but they're not a good program. Let's just call it a spade. They they got their they got their due justice with that one with that one chip in 2019. But I remember all of those losses way more before they won in 2019. And be honest with you, I didn't even know that they won in 2019. Didn't even know that until I looked it up the other day. So I don't know what I was doing in 2019, but obviously I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't even know they won in 2019. But, um, you know, somebody asked me the other day or today, this morning, as a matter of fact, what's been my most um, biggest surprise? I would probably have to say Oral Roberts. And I'm not talking about the popcorn, popcorn Oral and Barker, but for them to be able to be, you know, for them to be a 15 seeded team to beat Ohio State, who I actually had in the final four, for them to beat them, then also be able to beat Florida um, is pretty impressive as a 15 seeded team. Um, but you know, I also got love for Loyola Chicago just because of, uh, sister Jean, uh, sister Jean was able to come out there in Indiana and, and show some love out there. That's a team that also went to a final four a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them, but this has been a, a interesting, interesting, interesting NCAA tournament. You got so many different, um, double did double double digit teams that have been able to go. You got Aber- Aberdeen Christian that was able to beat knockoff, uh, Texas, who was a three-city team. Um, you had Maryland in somewhat of an upset against UConn, their 10-city team. Um, you know, you got Syracuse, who, you know, who probably right now at this point is probably the most recognizable basketball institution that's still in the tournament with Jim Beheim, who won a couple of championships as well, who's a, who's a Cinderella team this year. You know, they're an, they're an 11-city team. And, you know, Jim Beheim's son is out here just pulling up and taking a shot and, you know, making it happen. So you also got Oregon State, a 12 seeded team. So you got a lot of uncertainty in this NCAA tournament where it's literally open for anybody. Uh, you know, some people are saying that this probably might be the best March Madness weekend. Um, I wouldn't go on and say that's somewhat of a reach, um, but I'm not the most March Madness aficionado person either. So um, that's neither here or there. I mean, I guess if I like it, you love it. Um, we'll see, you know, I, I still love Baylor. I think Baylor's going to be, I, I got, I like, I like my chances with Baylor, but Nova, they, they, you know, they play really, really good. They went back to back before Virginia won their national championship in 2019. So, you know, I like, I like Nova's chances. So that Baylor Nova, to me, I think the winner of that game may, may actually win the actual NCAA tournament in my, in my opinion. Um, and that's just my opinion. Um, but as far as Gonzaga goes, I mean, they got a chance to run the table, I think, with, you know, with, with them, with Creighton, or with, I'm sorry, with Virginia losing, I, I think that kind of solidified them to be able to make it. Um, I think Creighton's a good team, but I don't know if they got enough to beat the Zags, but we'll see what ends up happening. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll take a pause for the calls and go from there, but... Um, you know, this is what your NC. I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure their tournament, their brackets have been busted um, after after Friday. So, um, you know, anybody who's got a bracket now that's somewhat still intact, you know, God bless you. But uh, it probably will get busted up even more with all these double digit teams. Um, yeah. So. I don't know. You know, people, there's also the notion that the power five conferences just need to have their own tournament because it kind of hinders these upset teams, these Cinderella stories that kind of puts a damper on these prestigious universities. I'm not willing to go that far just yet. I think that's a bit of a reach. Um, You know, every basketball, you know, basketball is a game where any team can knock you off. 
especially when you're not when it's a single elimination game. So, you know, I, I like the upsets. Um, I think that Duke not being in the, in the tournament kind of hurt as well. I feel like Kentucky not being in the tournament isn't doing anybody any favors, as well as Louisville. Um, I think those three storied franchises, and then also North Carolina getting thrashed in the first round also didn't do anybody favor, anybody any favors as well. But what I will say this as well, I think a lot of the NBA stars, if you look at your NBA stars, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum, a lot of those guys went to mid-major schools. So a lot of these mid-major schools are now thriving in the NCAA tournament because, you know, a lot of these players, they, they're not one and done. They're able to go to school for about three to four years. And then, you know, they're, they're, they're intact as opposed to a lot of these big time powerhouses such as your Duke and your Kentuckys and whatnot. You got a lot of one and done players there. And then the players that are already there who aren't the one and dones, they ended up just sliding over to the bench because they're probably not too, they're not good enough to make it to the pros and whatnot. So you, it's a, it's a catch 22. Um, I, I don't know what the I, I don't think the power of five conferences need to uh, disband or come up with their own inclusive uh, tournament. I don't think that's that's the answer. But, you know, uh, to each his own. I don't think they're even close to creating something like that, because I think March Madness with the 68 teams that they have already is just such a huge money grab. Um, let's call it a spade a spade. It's, it's a money grab. So. Um, yeah, I, I think March Madness this week has been good. There's been some great games. Um, I really like the, I really like what I see in Baylor, and I'm, I'm going for Baylor. Um, I think they have the chance to be able to knock off probably Gonzaga, so we'll see what ends up happening. Um, and then we got the Raiders, my beloved Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. So NFL free agency has started, and let's just say in my book, the Raiders probably get a big fat F as far as what they've been doing in the free agent marketing. Um, they let go of their all uh, their all pro center, Rodney Hudson. They traded away Trent Brown not too long ago to the Patriots, uh, and then they had some very interesting signings. Um, they signed Kenyon Drake to a nice, pretty pretty nice contract. They also signed. Um, they also signed John Brown uh, to a one-year deal as well. So, I, and then they also let go of uh, Gabe Gabe Brown and Rich Incognito. So, literally, the Raiders have no offensive line right now. They they don't have nobody starting an offensive line. Um, they also started. They they signed Yannick Ngakwe, who came from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Who's had at least almost 50 sacks in his in his five NFL season seasons, and then also eight, including eight last year with the with the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, it's cool. And they also signed John Brown, who I don't know is a legitimate number one. He's not a number one receiver. And then, and people always say, well, te- theoretically, they have Darren Waller as their number one, which is true. But he's a tight end, and for somebody who needs to be able to stretch the field. I don't know if John Brown's the the is the answer. I thought keeping Nelson Aguilar would have made a little bit more sense, um, but they they let him go, and I think he went to the Patriots. Um, I I just don't know what's going to end up happening, um, especially with Henry Ruggs the third being somewhat of a disappointment last year. Um, they they'll also have um, Brian Edwards as well, who's a big target, but um, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Um, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, they, they ended up re-signing Nicholas Morrow, but a lot of people are scratching heads on this whole Kenyon Drake uh, move. It just doesn't really make any sense when you don't have a, theoretically, outside of Colton Miller, who's their starting left tackle. That's about all they got. Um, 
that's about all they got right now as far as offensive line. So I don't know if they're going to go take the draft route and start drafting offensive line, but they also needed help on the secondary side. They've worried the, the Raiders probably had the worst NFL secondary that I've probably seen in my entire life. So um, they let go of Eric Harris, who I thought was, who was really, really good. Um, I hope Jonathan Abram is learning how to actually cover as opposed to just only knowing how to le- lay down the big stick because he can't cover a blanket. Um, and until he starts learning how to play coverage, he's going to be somewhat of a Roy Williams who used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, who, you know, he would be down in the box, but he would get burnt in coverage because he couldn't cover anyone. So I think that's what's going to end up happening to Jonathan Abram unless he wants to start learning how to play coverage because, you know, you can be a heat seeking missile all you want, but in a, in a pass happy NFL, that that's only going to get you so far. So, um, the Raiders, they definitely got a lot of answers, answering to do and thinking of, Theoretically, if you think about it, this is going to be their inaugural season in Las Vegas with the assumption of fans being there. And if this is going to be a city where you have a hockey team who came into the city and just started thriving um, and went all the way to the Stanley Cup finals in their first year um, with fans and the Raiders are going to come here and stink up the field in Vegas. I don't know if that's a good look or not. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, I'm not too happy with what I'm seeing. I don't know what the direction is going to be with John Gruden and, and um, Mike Mayock, but right now it's definitely not looking good. Um, and they, they're on, I, I feel like they, they're on a tight ship. Um, they, they're on a tight ship real quick. So, um, you know, the draft is coming up not too long ago, so um, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but they're, they're, they're in hot, they're not in, they're not in good shape, I, I would say. Um with that being said, it is time for the Sports Business Podcast Gummy of the Day. And uh, I don't even know how to even get started on this. So I don't know if you guys have seen on social media, some of the women's um, NCAA college basketball players actually showed what their training room was looking like. Um, the training facilities and some of their accommodations have been because they're in somewhat of a bubble right now as well. For their NCAA tournament, um, so Sedona, uh, or the University of Oregon, Sedona Prince shared a video uh, comparing the women's and men's weight rooms at their respective NCAA t- tournament bubbles. Uh, and one Nick Young, aka Swaggy P, decided to open up his big mouth, and he he retweeted and said, or he tweeted back and said, "Man, y'all not bringing in enough bucks for." For y'all, and he basically just said, called the NCAA women's basketball players um, the JV team, and it's cool. <sighs> uh, Mr. Young, I weren't you just a few years ago dating uh, Iggy Azalea, and, and somebody snitched on you for you was out here creeping. So for you to be out here trying to belittle um, female basketball players again, or female basketball players in general, is just. I mean, it's ignorance and it's just showing that, you you know, you got a lot of growing up to do still uh, for them, for you to call them JV basketball players. And I'm pretty sure there's a couple of there's a, probably a whole bunch of females that could probably sauce you up on the basketball court right now. Um, I always say basketball is one of those sports where it's it's you can it's it's it's, it's an intergender sport. So you can literally put basketball females and males together and play basketball and to be still very, very competitive. Um, I'm pretty sure the UConn women's basketball team could probably beat the Houston Rockets right now um, since they've lost 20 games in a row. 
Um, I'm pretty sure any female that's on a D1 scholarship right now can probably be a lot of people walking around on these streets. So for you to call them JV basketball players is a slap in the face and it's just super disrespectful. So you definitely get the sports business podcast dummy of the day. And, you know, once again, you put your, your foot in your mouth again. So, you know, it is what it is. And hopefully um, we'll see what ends up happening. But I hope that the NCAA does finally make it right. And it's sad that basketball players of the women's side had to kind of put this on blast. And now the NCAA is trying to retract and say that they're going to make it right. But, you know, you should have made it right from the, from the jump street. And you need to stop treating them like redheaded stepchildren. They're, they're humans just as much as the next people are. So, you know, and some of these some of these women's basketball schools, they bring in a lot of cheddar. You know, they 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 bring in some cheddar. Like if you look at the human UConn's women's basketball team, I'm pretty sure they're bringing in the cheddar. South Carolina is another one. Baylor, um, Tennessee, those are all powerhouses. Stanford. So you know, you might want to do your homework when it comes down to who brings in the J. What's the JV team and what's not? Because the Stanford basketball team is probably the women's basketball team. I should say. It's probably the most relevant program right now at the University of Stanford. So you might want to take that into consideration. So um, that is all we have for what we got going on on this show. My name is Eric Compton, a.k.a. Ms. Town Business. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can also find the show on Twitter, S-P-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. And if you got any questions, comments, and concerns, you can also email the show, S-P-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. Other than that, we out.